everything's color, the color of everything is gray, yeah. and um, you know everyone just looks a bit serious and they just go to work. Whereas there, you just life is just kind of vibrant and it's happening whilst you're around you, right? You're driving along just a random street and you can just see like a kind of tableau of life happening. Hello and welcome to the Together Podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Chris and today I'm joined by Abby and Shima. How are you two doing? I'm doing well, thank doing you. Doing good, thank you. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. How, how are you feeling to be back? Oh, it's been a minute. I'm feeling good. Yeah, <laughs> Shima's happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about overseas volunteering, the truth behind overseas volunteering. It's getting to summer which means like people who are at uni, people at college are breaking up. And it's a good time to use those months to do something, I guess, that will benefit someone other than yourself. But um, yeah, as we've heard, like even talking about Stacey Dooley in the past and stuff, overseas volunteering is maybe not the most like straightforward subject. Um, so we're going to be meeting three volunteers who previously went before and just hearing about their stories, what they thought about it, how they found it, etc. But before we do that... It's time for What in the World. Welcome to What in the World, where we discuss the big talking points and recent news stories. This time, we're talking all about milkshake. Milkshakes. Now, what's what's going on in the world of milkshakes? Does anyone know? All started, was it with a Five Guys milkshake? I think so. <laughs> you've Which named, is such you've named a shame. <laughs> Peanut butter, salted caramel, is it? Oh. What a waste. <laughs> you know what, what? they are like my kryptonite. I absolutely love a Five Guys milkshake. Is it £5.50? Really yeah, they're, they're, they're pricey. They mm. are not That's cheap. <laughs> so, as you said, it's not cheap. So people, no. basically, for those who don't know... A few politicians have been getting milkshaked, which I think has now become an actual verb. Oh, um, nice! So yeah, getting milkshaked in public. So they're on their on their press tours or going to see different constituencies or whatever, and people are just lobbing milkshake on them just to kind of, I guess, shame and disgrace them in front of as many people as possible. Now, obviously, because this milkshake is kind of like we can have this conversation. It's a bit lighthearted. It's not too like. Oh my gosh, did you see, you know what I mean? Mm. But what do you two think of it? Do you think it's something that is, that should be, obviously it's not allowed, but is it something that you're like, it's not that deep or is it that deep? What do you think? Yeah, I'd say it's not that deep. I don't think it's anything new because people have done the same with eggs for ages. Yeah. There's a sort of thing that you want to embarrass someone but not hurt them. So it's just a different form of that, I think. So I'd say, yeah, it's nothing new um, and it's happened for time. Yeah. I guess that I guess it's a bit more accurate than eggs as well. You have to have like pretty good aim of an egg, don't you? No, for real, for real. Is, I guess it's just throwing hope. What about and you, then at Abby? least you know a milkshake will actually break open. Yeah, there's always a fear that what happens if you don't throw the egg hard enough and then it doesn't actually crack. <laughs> it's you, just just throw, <laughs> you just throw like a, a full egg at someone and it hasn't cracked. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've um, Thinking about it, um, I know it's nothing new, you are absolutely right, Chima. Um, and 
I think people have been like way back in biblical times and um, people would like mob and go crazy at people they weren't happy with. Mm. Um, and that's what the rulers were afraid of was like the mob, weren't mm. they? Just this afraid of like, I'm going to walk into the street and they're going to hit me with stuff. Um, but then I don't, I think the comical part of a milkshake, the reason why we're laughing about it and find it funny makes it seem more okay. Mm. But actually, you're still attacking someone with an item. Yeah. And uh, that is obviously very humiliating and, you know, quite scary. It sounds really silly to say that, doesn't it? Because it's just a milkshake. But actually, if you're walking down the street and someone lobbed something at you, that is quite scary. And I think a real reflection on how people, how angry people are about the current politics Mm. in the country and how dissatisfied people are and that they're resorting to throwing things at our politicians just shows that. Yeah, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's one of those things where, yeah, it seems kind of lighthearted, but like you said, actually reality of, as people within the We Are Tier Fund community who want to see change in the world, and yeah, we do get like very passionate about it, but actually we want to do it in a way Jesus would, right? Mm. So even like, I mean, I think the example we use quite a lot is uh, Jesus clearing out the temple, right? Mm. And yeah, he made a whip and chased people out. But even within that, it wasn't to humiliate anyone. It wasn't mm. to target any one person. It was kind of like a, this is a, this is what I believe needs to happen for, mm. for the community. Mm. Whereas I guess with milkshaking, it is just, you're my target, I'm going to get you, I'm going to make mm. you feel stupid. Mm. And actually in that story, and the true story of Jesus... And kicking people out of the temple, we need to trust that he is a totally fair, totally just, totally loving God. Mm. So when he does that, he does it with a righteous anger that's different to us as human beings. And so when we use that as a um, as some, a reason why we feel angry, it's understandable because we're made in God's image. That's yeah. all very, very true. But we just need to remember that when he did it, it's a very different experienced when we enact that kind of activity yeah. yeah but i'd say like what about the times when he's talking about turn the other cheek and then the second one he's saying right if someone takes like a coat off you like just go naked go stalkers mm. and so <laughs> in that actually he was like causing humiliation to the person causing oppression mm. um so it's a form of like non-violent resistance so i get both sides but then i'm like actually some of the people who've been milkshaked have said horrible things. So I'm like, actually, we're more like outraged at the fact that yeah. someone threw a milkshake at them rather than they've been calling people like racist things and causing division yeah. for a long mm. time. And so I don't think totally like thinking actually we shouldn't seek to humiliate people. I don't know if that's that. I don't think that's the best way of action all the time. But then thinking about some of the people who've been milkshaked, you're like, well... <laughs> like you've done way worse to people not that that gives license to people to do it yeah. but then sometimes it's like actually um for someone who humiliates people for like yeah for a living i'm like yeah. but then saying that that doesn't really make it acceptable either but yeah yeah well i feel i feel like it's okay to be honest and say if i see like someone like for example it's it's a weird slippery slope right because we're, we're kind of deciding who who deserves to be humiliated, mm. which is a bit of a slippery slope. But for example, remember when that, that neo-Nazi guy got punched in the head while he was doing an interview? This yeah. was a while ago. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, that was like the right thing to do. 
But I also will be human and honest and say, when I saw it happen, I didn't go, oh, no. Mm, Do you know what I mean? My natural reaction is just, you reap what you sow. Yeah. And so, like you said, people who go around humiliating people for a living, like, even if, like, it's not actually their genuine beliefs, but they know, oh, I can make a a little name for myself, this is part of my brand or whatever. Well, you should expect... Not, you shouldn't expect a milkshake to get in front of you, but you should expect that people don't give you that respect mm. on the forefront. I guess it's our job to actually say, you know what, I don't give respect to, to people because of what they've done, mm. but because they are people, because they're, mm. they're children of God. And actually looking at them like that and saying, even if I like violently disagree with you about something, I still need to even maybe more for myself, have respect for you so that I don't get dragged down to your level. Mm. For real. I think there's often the understanding about, um, understanding about what is powerful in our actions because anger is really expressive, isn't it? And, and real dissatisfaction with where we're at right now and Donald Trump's in London right now mm-hmm. and that is that will be causing a lot of people a lot of anger because he said some very hurtful things already this morning. Chima and I were talking about Mm. it. And that makes me angry. Acting on that anger um, is exerting a kind of power that feeds into the reason they do it. Mm. But we're actually taught as Christians to come from a different thing of power, a different angle of power that is more powerful, if Mm. I'm making any sense. So... What Chima was saying about when we, when someone is oppressive towards us or um, is, if you mistreats us, when we then almost kill them with kindness, it isn't a weak thing to do. Mm. And I think we've throughout this rhetoric that kindness is weak and mm. that it's not, it doesn't get you the way you want. And actually, I'm not saying this always works, but when we go above and beyond to, um, almost to give them the coat off our back, to give them the other cheek, um, that is showing and creating a different rhetoric of Mm. power and being like, actually, I know where my identity is and Mm. I know who I'm in, so I know the power I have and this is how I'm going to treat you. Um, Milkshaking is reacting out of the first kind of anger, which is understandable when people say such hurtful things. Yeah. But... You know, what if we were to give someone the milkshake? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that kind of double bluff. Yeah. <laughs> and the response is to say, "Well, that's really passive, and that's not going to get you anywhere." Well, we don't know that. Mm. And would it get us further than throwing a milkshake? Because the article on the We Are Tear From website, the first thing it says is it creates that person into a victim, mm. and they use that, mm. and they love that in a longer run. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd just be interested to know whether, what would happen if yeah. we started walking around and started giving politicians milkshakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so I feel like I've, I threw a curveball before. I've thrown another one. So I was okay. reading something about... Um, so there's a lot of different sort of interpretations of what Jesus meant by turn the other cheek, like give that mm. person your coat or just go starkers. Or <laughs> like take, oh, walk that second mile. If someone asks you to walk a mile, like walk the second with him. And so... That like sometimes implies a sort of passive, uh, yeah, passiveness when you're like, oh, right, just turn the other cheek. So if someone slaps you, like you just give them the other one. Um, 
But some people have argued that's not what Jesus was implying by that. So people have said that actually he was calling people to respond in a creative way, to mm-hmm. like, I uh, said, so a non-violent, like creative way to injustice. Mm-hmm. So saying that actually, for example, the thing we talked about, about going stalkers, it's my favorite one, just because <laughs> I find it hilarious. But actually that was like, just putting that person in a different position. So like completely like non-violent action, but then causing... Not even like humiliation, but that person was first trying to humiliate the person, but then yeah. that person just goes even further, going right. If you're gonna take, if you're gonna take my coat, like just take everything. Yeah. And actually, um, that causes more humiliation to the person in the long term. And so it's the sort of thing thinking about actually, like yeah, like how do we respond to injustice? Yeah. Like obviously, it's the whole thing. It's the balance between actually, like we need to kill them with kindness. <laughs> like that's yeah. the thing. And actually, sometimes it's actually seeking creative ways. Um, and I don't know if like milkshaking is that thing. I don't think, I don't know if that even fits into this whole thing. <laughs> and that might be something completely different, but I just find it interesting um, how that actually doesn't just imply that we we're passive to injustice, yeah. mm-hmm. but that implies that actually we respond to it creatively um, in a nonviolent way. Mm. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. I think what last thing that I'd kind of want to say on the subject is this kind of idea that milkshaking is this weird? I think Joey Barton said something about the OG Joey Barton. He got on Twitter and said, first it's milkshaking, then it's bricking, then it's then it's petrol bombing." Mm. I think that's just a bit too much. Mm. Like, I think that's over the top. I think um, I don't think we should vilify people that throw, throw a milkshake on the same level as someone that would throw a petrol bomb at someone. Mm. Um, so yeah, so in that sense, again, I don't, I don't necessarily condone it, but I also don't think it's something to, that we should be in like a moral panic about. If that mm. makes sense. So we're now gonna hear from three people who've been volunteering overseas. Uh, so we're gonna hear about a bit about their experience, ask them some nitty gritty questions. My name's Hannah. Um, I'm 19 and I'm on my gap year and I went to Bangladesh for three months. My name's Jason, I am 28 years old, I'm a photographer and I volunteered on a two-week placement to Uganda. Um, my name's Lucy, I'm 22 and I am currently an intern with Tier Fund Go, um, so the team that sends people overseas and I volunteered in Bangladesh for three months last year as well. Awesome, right, okay, so volunteering... I've been on a volunteering trip myself. I think I mentioned it on this podcast a couple of times. I, I had a great time. I'm interested in hearing just some of your stories. What did you see? What did you experience? I absolutely adored my time away. Um, I loved seeing, like, getting to know the people because um, we lived in host families. And it was amazing just being a part of a family and you really got to know the people so well. What were you doing there? Um, so I was with a team of... Um, so there was five of us from the UK that went, and then we were joined by three other Bangladeshi volunteers. We spent most of our time working in the um, village area that we were staying in. So we did so many stuff. We mostly worked with the children. So we did Sunday schools. We did um, youth groups. We um, hosted this huge youth camp as well, where all the local church youth came over to Bodapur where we were staying. And um, we hosted this big youth event, really, where we all worshipped, we all did, like, Bible studies, and um, it, it was lovely. Jason, were you up to anything similar, or was it completely different? 
Well, I suppose it was quite different in, in the fact that I was there for two weeks, so everything was a bit more condensed, and mm-hmm. it was a bit more, like... It was kind of like a whistle-stop tour in many ways. Yeah. Um, so we did a lot of visiting communities and stuff. So the, the kind of tier fund partner we were working with was a, a water sanitation project out in Uganda. And so they had a number of different projects which they had implemented in different communities and they're continuing to plan to implement because there's so much need and there's so many different communities that don't actually have access to clean water. And so we were either visiting ones which had existing water uh, projects like the gravity flow schemes and things like that, which is where they literally have found a water source high up in the hills and then they kind of dig down to the rock and they build uh, pipes and guttering to flow down into reservoirs and they build taps in strategic points throughout communities so that these people can actually have access to water that's just freely flowing by gravity, basically. Um, So we were visiting kind of things like this and we were going to ones where they were planning and trying to help in uh, and and start the construction process. So I wasn't actually doing the construction work myself, but um, as a photographer, obviously, I was able to work with their communications guy quite closely. And so I was shooting for them and we did like interviews with people whose lives had been transformed by the various schemes and then with the purpose of like creating basically press releases and being able to be used by the KDWSP, the partner there, to lobby to the government, to get more funding, and also hopefully to be able to be used by you guys at Tier Fund to kind of just tell the stories of, look, these are the actual people whose lives are actually being changed. So my role was kind of different to what I'd expected, but in a very positive way, because I was actually able to use my skill set. Because one of the criticisms that's often, you know, um, levied at voluntourism is this kind of, oh, well, you're sending unskilled people in to do Mm -hmm. the jobs. And it's like, well... In my situation, actually, it worked out really well because I was able to use that skill set, yeah. and and hopefully, I I really am uh, hoping that fruit will will come of it. Um, so yes, yeah, so there was a lot of driving around and yeah. um, and going to these places, and it was really great. The people were always super welcoming. Um, you know, they were they were really genuinely encouraged as well mm. to have you come and visit. And I'm sure you guys yeah, exactly kind of the same. found this. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to hear, but like, it's just so different, and and uh, there's a kind of an energy about it I find I don't know if you guys found that as well that you kind of like everything in England feels very kind of repressed and kind of (laughs) subdued when you come back you're like wow this is a really like everything's the colour of everything is grey and um, you know everyone just looks a bit serious and they just go to work whereas there you just life is just kind of vibrant and it's happening whilst you're around you right you're driving along just a random street and you can just see like a kind of tableau of life happening yeah so i was in bangladesh um quite close to i think where hannah was volunteering as well uh, but in a slightly different community um and i think i totally agree with what hannah and jason have shared really i think one of the biggest things i was struck by was the difference in hospitality and you i think you hear that a lot when you go to mm. other countries um but just how you're welcomed into the community and the emphasis that they put on relationships. And I think that taught me a lot about what does it look like to do development and to do it well. And I think a lot of it is about relationship building and a lot of it is about bringing people together. And I think, especially when you live somewhere for three months, to be so welcomed into a community, it's quite overwhelming in some ways because I think we're not used to that in the UK. Everyone, like Jason was saying, is quite behind closed doors and it's kind of quite independent and quite individual in the UK so then to go to a culture where you're immediately welcomed into a family and welcomed into a community that was something that really struck me and I think probably from what you guys have said struck you as well so 
you we talk a bit about cultural shock in terms of like just generally in the country. What about on project? What were the stories that you were finding? What were the stories that you were kind of coming face to face with? Well, it sounds very stereotypical, but it still kind of surprises you when you um, encounter it. But people who were um, whose lives were transformed by the water sanitation projects. There was a, there was a woman we met there called Betty and. Her previous life had been basically up till about 2016, I think it was. She had to get up at 5am and she had to then walk, uh, I don't know how far it was, but she had to walk quite a long way down and down to the local water source. And then uh, it wouldn't be often before midday until she got back up with her jerry can full of water to her house. And then it was like, then you had to start doing your day's labour and you had to start tilling the, you know, the land. Um and and then the water that she'd even got was contaminated, right? Because it was from an yeah. open water source. So that was, you know, giving your children dysentery and stuff like this. So, you know, it, it kind of like, you sort of hear stories like that vaguely, but when you kind of see it and you think, wow, like this actually does happen in 2019. And it was amazing how such a simple thing, like someone who's come to invest in building some tanks for harvesting rainwater just properly and safely and guttering, that kind of stuff. Yeah that changes everything because now they don't have to do that massive journey. So they now have the time to kind of spend working the land properly. They have the water to water it properly. Mm. They can then sell some of the excess produce that they now have. So they have more funds freed up. There's more ability to get the kids in education. Mm. So their future is transformed already. And they're also educated about basic hygiene, which I also found quite surprising that there seemed to be this um, a lot of people just don't know about basic hygiene, yeah. but the people like the, the KDWSP would come along the partner and, and teach them that. And so there was this whole kind of opening up of a future that yeah. was changed by by this simple thing, which was that was really striking. Yeah, which is amazing, though, isn't it? Because, uh, like you say, I mean, it's this one thing that has completely like freed up all these different areas in their life, and it kind of shows this. I, I guess with poverty, there's this kind of web like nature of it right where one thing can affect so many other things did did anyone else find that in their in their projects where you were working i think um probably one of the biggest things that stood out from my time in bangladesh was more of the education side of things so um employment and especially youth employment is quite uh, a big issue within bangladesh and we worked with a local school and also a local uh, boys hostel um, that was providing education for people that otherwise wouldn't have had access to it um and i think just the hope that is brought through education and the opportunities that that offers. Um, I was really struck by that and how, again, like like kind of what you were saying, that there's things that we take for granted in the UK hmm. can make s- such a huge difference um, and things that we think everyone should have access to education. But the reality is that's not, that's not available to everybody. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that really struck me. How is it for you working with other people to kind of, have the, with this shared goal of trying to alleviate poverty, I know your your teammates might be listening. So if you've got any, if you've got any <laughs> no dirt, pressure. we Don't can change names. It's all good. <laughs> can we do some shout outs? Shout out to my team. <laughs> <laughs> no, I absolutely loved working with my team. We were, um, I think, we were the first team with mixed ages. So there was myself and Sarah who were in our gap year, and then. Um, our team, two team leaders, Martin and Jenny, they're retired, um, so there's obviously a huge age gap there. Then Janet as well, who's um, who's retired too, and um, it's a huge age range, but 
but strangely it really worked and I absolutely loved working with them and even with the um, three in-country um, Bangladeshi volunteers like we didn't know we were going to be joined by them but we all created this lovely family together and we all got along so well we all got to know each other's stories so I think you worked with Bappy mm-hmm. um, I think yeah. he's been volunteering three in three groups he said to me mm-hmm. so he he absolutely loves to volunteer um you really get to know the team and um it's just lovely working with them and we all collaborated um as best we could and the same with the community with the partners for baptist day that we worked with they're they're a lovely team of people as well like you really grow a nice relationship with them all it's absolutely mm. lovely yeah so in Bangladesh, we were really lucky to work with in-country volunteers. And I think for me, that was one of definitely one of the highlights of my placement because obviously they're based in the country that you're volunteering in and yeah. they go back to their own communities. And I think they can really implement the change that has happened within placement and kind of there's that sustainable element to it, I guess, because yeah. they're, they're remaining within the country, which I think is really important. But I think also it was amazing to recognise, although we had quite a lot of uh, differences there were also there were more similarities and differences and i yeah. think that's something that really struck me is that you don't know what to expect and there's a language barrier and you think what are the cultural differences going to be but actually you just get to know them as friends and you mm. just they become part of your team yeah. they become like your family it just works um and i think that was a real picture of like god's global church as well and mm. being like actually although we have a lot of differences there's a lot of similarities and we're all working towards the same aim and we're brothers and sisters and we're working together on God's mission of justice. And I think that was something that was really powerful for me and working with a cross-cultural team. Um, that really struck me, I think. And that's something that definitely was a huge highlight of my placement. Awesome. Yeah. Interesting. So my experience <laughs> was a little bit different. Um, so there was just four of us, so me and three others. And um, and we didn't have in-country volunteers, so we had the partner in-country. The partner mm-hmm. in-country got in really well with, and we had excellent, mm-hmm. kind of, everything was great. I actually really struggled socially with the people I was with. In mm-hmm. Not socially, actually. Conversation wasn't a problem. Um, and, and as far as people go, I, I think it would be completely fair to say they're all like very much better people than me. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a very in, great integrity and moral fibre and all that. But there were some just kind of you know chemistry personal yeah. personality we were all quite open and honest which was great um but also did make some quite um <laughs> kind of heated debate yeah. um which was interesting and and i think sometimes it's just it's just not always easy and, it, and i did feel sometimes i thought oh wonder this is like a bit of a social experiment you get three four people who sort of don't know each other and sort of chuck them in a country for two weeks and see what happens yeah. <laughs> but it was a really healthy challenge yeah because actually this is life and in in real life you have to deal with people who who you don't always kind of get on with. And so that can be in a working situation, it could be in your family situation, it could be in your church. So actually it was a really healthy challenge to, mm-hmm. to not just, it wasn't just about me going and doing this, it was also about me being changed and pressure yeah. being put on me to yeah. develop as a person. So not something I regret at all. Yeah, that's amazing. Because yeah. it can be it can be difficult. And like you said, it's just kind of, I know there's like a lot of, obviously there's a lot of work done behind, behind the scenes to try and make sure the team gels and everything, but... Yeah, you can't always, you can't always yeah. control that, right? I, def- I definitely agree with that because I think you can... Sometimes when you're looking back on stuff, you remember the good things and yeah. kind of block out the bad things. But I think when... Obviously, you were there for two weeks, Jason, but mm. living with people for three months, there was definitely tension. There was definitely, like, times when 
like and I think what you said is really true Jason like I was really challenged in myself about how do I react to other people how do I react to other people who are different from me Mm. UK volunteers and Bangladeshi volunteers and also I learned a lot about faith because there were lots of people were all Christians but different expressions of Christianity Mm. and actually that was really challenging to me because I was like these these people love Jesus but maybe how they outwork that looks a little bit different for me and that was a really good and healthy challenge for me to be like actually again that whole difference is but there's there's more that brings us together than that is different from us but it was definitely there were times when tensions ran high (laughs) it's because you're with them basically all day every day so things move on very quickly and they can escalate and sometimes you can cause friction but I think big things, small things become big things yeah, when you're exactly, yeah. when you're working closely with people for mm. an intense amount of time. Definitely, mm. yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's incredibly important because you know we like we believe as a community that we can change the world. Like mm. point blank, that's the that's the that's the mo. Like we we believe that in the in this community, yeah. and knowing that also means you can't do it by yourself. It requires a community. So yeah. kind of going anywhere and kind of thinking, well, I'm the one who's right. <laughs> like, yeah. You're going to find yourself putting heads quite a lot. Yeah. Um, Jason, you mentioned earlier talking about volunteerism. And I mean, even on this podcast, we talked about the Stacey Dooley thing that happened like a few months ago. I don't know if you're aware. So basically Stacey Dooley was in, I believe, Uganda, um, uh, was holding a Ugandan child, Instagram photo, quick, quick photo op, the caption was obsessed and uh david lammy mp from the uk was just like this is like um this is the white savior problem mm-hmm. and we need and this this is not good what are your thoughts on that i mean it's a huge topic obviously and i expect you to come out with like the perfect answer but for <laughs> yourselves like did you find yourself having to fight off this kind of savior mentality or how did that play out for you yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting topic, and and there's a number of sides to it. But I I think there is a question there is a question to be asked, and and you know when you're posting stuff on social media, I think it is really healthy to think actually, am I doing this just so I look like some kind of hero and and that it's impressive, or or what am I trying to do? Am I trying to raise awareness? And so, but I think it's good. I don't think we want to discourage people from going abroad i know that there are some issues surrounding it and yeah. and i think that that also varies from type of placement to type oh, of placement i really yeah. don't think you can just paint it with one sweeping brushstroke and say you know you shouldn't do it because it's bad it's like well you know there's massive differences between types of placement yeah. so so i think i really don't think we should discourage people uh from going because there's a number of things in which it weighs it's really helpful to them it's also really helpful on a personal level and it's also helpful in terms of what you can do when you come home and how you can raise awareness to other people and motivate them and also I think like there's a kind of a a challenge to me it's like okay you can't just go abroad and do this stuff and then come home and be live normally again because that you've got to be consistent now so you've got to be looking at what you can do back home and what the needs are and how you can get involved and I wouldn't have had that motivation if I hadn't gone and done yeah. that in the first place yeah likewise and I, like, I think my journey particularly was sparked by my my first like placement overseas and I don't think I'd be on this podcast if I wasn't there if that makes sense yeah. um Lucy is someone who also works in behind the scenes of putting together placements that kind of that same that same topic of volunteerism how how do you kind of weed it out of mm-hmm. what you're doing how do you make sure that's not creeping into what you're doing 
I think um I think awareness is really important. I think like kind of Jason mentioned this a little bit, but I think being aware of your motivation and thinking about what why am I going overseas? And I think obviously there's there's probably lots of answers to that question, but I think it's important to kind of take a step back and think why am I doing this? And if I do have some motivations that maybe aren't the best, maybe are more kind of selfish or aren't to serve others or like we're talking about with social media to kind of build your own profile or make yourself look bigger. I think we all have an element of that, but we, I think recognizing that is really important and actually just asking God to help us with that because none of us are perfect. And I don't think anyone who volunteers is a hundred percent there or a hundred percent perfect. Um, and that's okay. Like you don't have to be perfect to volunteer. Um, fortunately. (laughs) Um, and I think, I think also Jason made a really good point about different types of volunteering. Obviously the volunteering market's kind of blown up and there's so many different options and gap years are, are kind of quite a normal thing to do now. But I think it's, it's making sure that you do research into who you're volunteering with. Mm -hmm. And I think the structure of the volunteering is really important as well. So I think there are some horror stories of people who kind of go and that there's a, there's an industry that's being built off people suffering. Uh And like, that is, that is so wrong. That is not what we're we're here to do at all. So I think who you volunteer with is really important and making sure you've really done your research and thought about that. Um, and I think also from like, for me personally, something that I found really encouraging, and I don't know if you guys found this as well, but I think, uh, being a Christian and working through local churches, I found that really encouraging because there's more of a sense of connection and actually it's not just about, oh, I'm going to visit somebody in a different country. It's like, these are, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I come home, I'm still part of that global church, even if we're not in the same country anymore. I, I can pray with them, I can stand with them, I can, in some instances, still be in contact with my team members and encourage them and pray for each other. And I think there's that there's that continued relationship and connection, um, which I think is really important. And I think working working with that global church is something that, when I was kind of struggling with my motivations and thinking about what's the value of this volunteering, mm. I think that's something that's that's really kind of come out of what I've been thinking about and processing but I think it's a journey. I think it's yeah. it's a journey of continually challenging yourself and processing and yeah. challenging your views of again people who are different from you. Yeah. Um, so that's probably what I'd say. I don't know if that's a and I think good being summary. honest, right? Being being yeah, honest and saying definitely. actually, if I'm going to spend three months of my life somewhere, I'm obviously yeah. want to have a good time as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I obviously want to go yeah. to the market, see what the, see definitely. what that's like, yeah. and experience another culture. But I guess it's for it's it's getting to that point where you say, but that can't come at expense of yeah. people living in poverty. In terms of like where you started before you went to, before you went on your volunteering placement to where you ended up, what would you say is kind of some of the main differences for you? Whether it's your knowledge of development, whether it's your understanding of work of others, etc. What would you say are one of the main takeaways for you? I think. I think it definitely gives you a much better awareness. So for me personally, I think um, it just made me think more about how my actions affect other people around the world. So I think something that really struck me was like waste in Bangladesh. And um, 
in the UK, obviously, we have uh, people that pick up our rubbish and we don't really see where it goes. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Whereas in Bangladesh, I remember I was walking. So we had a bin in our house and I was walking just like a little walk around the community and went past a pond and I saw some of my rubbish in the pond. And I was like, oh, okay, so I've put that in the bin and it's literally, it's gone into the pond. And it was that real awareness of, the reality is lots of people around the world don't have access to rubbish collection. And then it, it kind of got me thinking about um, where does my rubbish go in the UK? Mm. And I think that really set me on a journey of thinking about how does my rubbish affect other people and how does it affect the environment and God's creation? So I think practically thinking about those kind of things, um, I think it's it's also just changed the way I think about different cultures, mm. which I think has probably been quite a big change for me. And I think I probably had some subconscious thoughts about people in other countries or maybe people um in developing countries that actually I was quite shocked to realize maybe I I think there were some things about like how capable they were or their situation and it was quite shocking almost to realize that I had those some subconscious feelings and then meeting people in Bangladesh I was like that's crazy these people are so competent they're so passionate they're so they're the perfect people to be dealing yeah. with the issues that we're seeing. And I think that, for me, was a really big growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember I remember talking to Governor B about his time away yeah. uh, in Zambia, and he said a similar thing where he's, he was like, oh, wow, these, like, they're, they're really smart. Yeah. And he went, but why should I be yeah, surprised, surprised that they're smart? That's crazy. Yeah, I and think I think um, it's really interesting because, like, even returning back to that foreign tourism sort of, like, question, that debate this kind of, I feel like this critical understanding of actually what are my pre, what do you you call them? Preconceptions. What are my preconceptions, (laughs) thank you. What are my preconceptions that I might have and actually, although I don't think volunteering is like the only way to do it, I think it's a very good way of kind of being like, just smashing through those, like just like right in your face and being like, it can, and it can be difficult because sometimes you think, yeah. am I a terrible person? <laughs> yeah. Have I been trying to help the wrong way the whole time? But actually, I think it's an important process for, for anyone who's trying to, you know, go on their journey of justice to actually say, what baggage do I have to drop before I continue? Have you found that for yourselves? Is there anything that you kind of thought, oh, well, maybe this way that I was doing something or the way I thought about something wasn't necessarily the best way to go about it? I suppose sometimes we think a lot about what I can do and what I'm doing to help. And whilst that's right and that's not a bad thing, often these things end up being a lot about what is done to me as well, like Mm -hmm. how I am formed and changed and and I have this better understanding, which then informs the rest of decisions and stuff going forward. So I I hope that doesn't sound too self-centred. Um, no, of course not. I think there's a very like a very poignant thing in actually pointing to the fact and saying actually when you go it's not just about actually what you can give. You also receive, you learn a lot from the people from the people you're working with, from the from the placement, from the, the different organisations that you see. And so actually I think that's it's very unself centered because actually it's saying I realise that I am not so I am not the person who knows all. I'm not the all-knowing, the all-powerful in this situation. I'm here to learn as well and learn from other cultures. Yeah, exactly. So I think flexibility and adaptability are just so important. Like You can't underestimate how much you have to go, OK, this is what I wanted, needed, expected. I'm going to put that on the side 
and kind of let yeah. what comes come and then see where we might be able to fit in some of those desires I have. So in my case, it was like, I want to take some pictures that are going to, you know, demonstrate this and demonstrate that. But I can't sort of be so uh, set on that, that I end up actually, you know, if I was so pushy about that, I could end up just making everything worse. Mm. And so, yeah, I think you have to kind of sit down and you, and you remember again, you know, how, how did Jesus, uh, he was the servant, yeah. right? He said, I came not to, not to, be served but to serve and I think you have to kind of take that attitude with you and again that's something that you then take home with you and you start thinking well actually maybe I shouldn't have just been thinking about that when I'm in yeah. Africa because actually that's relevant all the time yeah, yeah. um not always easy yeah no, definitely so is that has there been lifestyle changes for you guys things that actually you think since you got home you've been like oh, I can't in good conscience do that anymore <laughs> By just going home and just looking in my room, I just think I have all this stuff. Why do I have so much stuff? Like, I just think I just need to do a huge clear out. So it's just things that you take for granted, really. Like, just coming back from Bangladesh, we really notice how, um, what's the word, um, fortunate you are um, and how much we have compared to other places around the world. I think... Um... There's always a sense of like accountability. So I think, again, a lot of it for me is around like waste and climate change and thinking about how can I reduce my waste? Simple things like to do with like my emissions and my carbon footprint, like getting a lift home from the station when it's a 20 minute walk. And sometimes I just (laughs) feel lazy and I don't want to walk it. But I'm like, actually, this affects people. Mm. It might not directly affect me. But so, for example, um, I had a message from one of my team members about there was a cyclone recently that went through India and Bangladesh. Mm. And they, one of my team members messaged me and was like, oh, pray for us because it's coming near our village. And I think that's when you're like, OK, I know somebody that is being mm. affected by like the weather that is unpredictable yeah. and is being worsened by climate change. I can't just sit in my house and be like, I'm going to ignore that yeah. because that's a reality for somebody that I know. And I think that immediacy of relationship has really challenged me. And it is, it is a lot of small things, I think. Um, and even just, like, the awareness. So trying to think about when I'm planning holidays, can I not fly somewhere? Can I can I maybe do, do it in the UK? Or those kind of more... Just being more aware of, like, how do my choices affect other people around the world? Yeah. Um, so I think for me it's been a lot around, like, climate change and waste and thinking about, like, bamboo toothbrushes and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, all those small changes that you can make, which actually if everyone did them would make a really big difference yeah so yeah i've actually been recycling more which is great i think since being in bangladesh you see so much waste and litter and mm-hmm. just scattered all over the place i just come home and i'm just like oh does this have the recycling logo on <laughs> and yeah. i mean there are websites where you can go on and just type your postcode in and then type in um what you think you want to recycle and it says if you can or not so i think that's been really helpful as well like i've yeah, it's surprising how much you can't recycle that you mm. didn't know you could before. I get a bit triggered by plastic now. I'm not gonna lie. Like <laughs> we had salad the other night for dinner, and it was in a plastic thing, and I was like, "This is not okay, not okay." <laughs> but it's it's really hard to avoid. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's that journey, isn't it? It's that journey of saying, "Okay, I've seen this and I can't ignore it, so I'm going to yeah. work towards definitely like a solution for that." in my own life and hopefully share that with other people so that we can have this communal effort towards that. Um, one last question. If you could go back in time when you were clicked on apply, what would you tell yourself? Be open-minded. 
really because you're immersing yourself into a culture that you've never been to you just need to be very open-minded and know that things like time they don't be on time in Bangladesh like they're always like half an hour an hour late so you just got to have that mind of flexibility as well but you just need to be hugely open to the new world that you're entering in really mm. yeah um I think I would I would say just don't worry so much about stuff you know I, uh, some people probably don't have a problem with that I always think oh what <laughs> if this and what if that goes wrong and what about the other and just enjoy the journey you know make the do the do the research and and like lucy was saying earlier do your research and all that and and do your praying and your and you're seeking for guidance and then just enjoy the journey like don't stress about it but also be prepared to have to be very patient <laughs> <laughs> i would say what would i say to myself um don't bother taking any shoes other than flip-flops because I lived in flip-flops and when I put trainers on it was a weird feeling. Um, I think probably it would link back to my thinking and probably I would say, kind of similar to what Hannah said actually, be more open-minded and go with no expectations and just be open to learning from other people and not assuming that you always know best. So there we have it. Really interesting conversation all about volunteering, free experiences, quite different. Um, but I think interesting, you know, as we talked about before, the whole idea of volunteerism and stuff like that. Interesting to hear their perspectives on it. And yeah, I guess just an opportunity for us all to be honest with that and what that what dangers you may encounter with that. For yourself, Abby, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so... Um, before I started in the youth team, I worked in the volunteering team in Teoband, a great group of people, and um, I must have trained upwards of 200 people to go overseas. Wow. Um, I think this whole thing about volunteerism, I think there's real merit in that, and just being careful about how we enter into our volunteering experience and how we are approaching those around us, but an easy way to... Um, come up against that is just to go for as long as you can afford to go for. Mm. The longer you go somewhere, the more embedded you are in a community, the more that you give to them, the more they give to you. Mm. Um, and our volunteers always came back way more transformed and changed than they ever thought or ever, any community was ever. Mm. So they would go in thinking understandably I'm willing to give all of myself I'm willing to serve and that's such an honorable thing but then they'd come back and say to me Abby I'm way more transformed than I ever gave to anyone else I did my bit I served it was great but they changed me I am now changed forever and I that's the experience of these three people um, who did the chat earlier um, and that's amazing and that will stay with people for the rest of their lives and you know Chris you went overseas and that yeah. experience you had just changed you forever changed your perspective sure. forever all the ups and all the downs yeah. um, but you kind of got to enter into it with that open mind in the beginning otherwise it's yeah getting blood out of a stone yeah definitely <laughs> 
Awesome. I think that sums it up very well. <laughs> um, so yeah, so thank you everyone for listening. We're back on the first Monday of next month with a new episode. If you like what you heard today, then hit subscribe. I've been Chris. It's been great to have you, Abby and Shuma. Thank you. Have Cheers. a great week, everyone. <laughs>